We're going to get started because we promised to keep on time, so um, we're going to get going. First of all, thank you all for coming out on this chilly kind of fall evening out there. My name is Joe Meister. I am the Director of Adult Formation here at All Saints. And it is my pleasure to welcome each of you to the first monthly outreach of the Metro Area Catholic Evangelization Ministry. This newly formed ministry has made it their mission to encourage people of all denominations or no formal church affiliation whatsoever to a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ through prayer, church, and study. In order to get to know you and alert you to upcoming events, we ask that you would please fill out the attendance card. Looks like this. It's very important that you fill this out. You have some on your table, so if you haven't already done that, if you need a pen or pencil, holler at somebody, and they'll help you out. Um, let's see. There are some on your tables, like I said, and please, when you're done with them, you're going to return them to where Barb go. Oh, she's way back there. Stand up a minute, Barb, so they can see who you are. Okay, Barb is going to be collecting the attendance card, so make sure you get it to her. You may have noticed the tables over here on the side with all kinds of little signs on them. And these are have information about many of the different programs and the different ministries that are offered here at All Saints. And if some of you are from other parishes, I'm sure they have similar things at your parish as well. So uh, we encourage you to check them out after the talk. As I said, this is the first gathering. The next outreach will be on Sunday, November the 20th at 2 p.m., hosted by Immaculate Conception Parish. You are in for a treat, as they will be presenting the musical play entitled Pope of the People, the story of John Paul II, and there are tables up here, you can get some more information on that. Tickets are $18 each and will be for sale this evening. So take advantage of the getting tickets early because it's probably going to sell out quickly. Before we begin, let's take a moment of prayer. Loving God, you called each of us by name and gave your only Son to redeem us. In your faithfulness, you sent the Holy Spirit to complete the mission of Jesus among us. Open our hearts to Jesus. Give us the courage to speak his name, especially to those who are close to us, and the generosity to share his love with those who are far away. We pray that every person throughout the world be invited to know and to love Jesus as Savior and Redeemer of their lives. May they come to know his all-surpassing love, May that love transform every element of our society. And we ask this through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.
Where is Jesus? If you have ever rowed a boat across a pond or a lake, you know that to go forward, you sit backwards. In other words, you do not see where you are going, but rather you see where you have been. We can learn great lessons by looking back at where we have been, analyzing and learning from our successes and failures in making needed changes and corrections. My name is Pete Matheson, and I am humbled to be with you this evening, and I thank you for coming to our very first outreach. I want to share with you where I have been, some of the painful lessons I've learned, and corrections that I am making. My life begins in a small farm town in southeastern Minnesota called St. Charles. My twin sister and I are the youngest of six children. My mom raised us Catholic, and dad was a Methodist, but rarely went to church. We were a lower middle class family, and dad pinched every penny. Dad was a traveling salesman and very strict. The words I love you, or even hugs, never existed at our home. I remember being told several times by my dad, how expensive it was for him to raise us. Food bills, I'm sorry, doctor bills, dental bills, school clothes. We were never physically abused, but in hindsight, absolutely mentally abused. By my senior year in high school, I had developed a deep hate and anger and resentment towards my dad. My five brothers and sisters all went to college. But I had decided I was going to be a salesman, earn lots of money, and one day I would present my dad with a box of cash, buying my life back from him. Motivated to earn lots of money, set myself free from a poor and troubled childhood, and attained fame and fortune. I was hired by Adidas in 1977 at age 19 and moved to Des Moines. I was a straight commission salesman. The more I sold, the more I made, and I quickly became a workaholic. I wanted a Rolex watch. I wanted a Mercedes-Benz, fancy clothes, status, and I was on my way. One day in a store, I found a plaque entitled, What is Hustle? Hustle is shoe leather and elbow grease. Hustle is sweat and missing lunch. Hustle is doing more than the other guy. Hustle is being afraid to take a vacation because you may miss a piece of the action. Hustle is heaven if you're a hustler. Hustle is hell if you are not. 
This plaque sat on my desk, and I carried a copy of it in my car and read it every day. I even called it my Bible. I had begun programming myself for materialistic success and had no idea of what would come. I was highly motivated, attaining success, and living a life going 90 miles an hour. Friends cautioned me to slow down and smell the roses. But I said, they smell great going 90. I would always go to Sunday Mass and considered myself a good Catholic and a good person who believed in God. Looking back, I was a Sunday, one-hour Catholic, in the church, but not at Mass. In 1986, myself and seven others all threw in $5,000 and started Gold Sand. We were at the right place at the right time, had an excellent product, and we grew very quickly. I had quit Adidas to focus all of my time and energy on selling more at Gold Sand. I continued my aggressive pace to earn and to have. I was called the motor behind Gold Sand, and the company started an annual award called the Pete Matheson Hustle Award. I was getting the external fame and fortune I truly wanted, and this fueled my desire for more. My biggest customer was a store in Pittsburgh called Kaufman's, and the buyer was Karen Barber. I took Karen out to dinner one night, and after much conversation, she asked about my family. As I told her my resentment and dislike of my father, she quickly called me phony. She stated, how can you claim to be a Christian, believe in God, and have the anger and resentment you do towards your dad. This hurt, but she was 100% correct, and I knew it. The anger I had been carrying inside me was a cancer, and I knew the only right thing to do was to approach my dad, tell the truth, and apologize. Shamefully and painfully, I did this. And thanks to Karen, my relationship with my dad became quite good for the remaining 10 years of his life. By this time, I was earning a lot of money and had anything I wanted. In the eyes of the world, I was very successful and looked like I had everything in order with my life. What no one saw or knew is that there were ugly demons that had begun to take over my life. I had severe nervous energy, high anxiety, and serious thoughts of suicide. One day, I had a loaded pistol, ready to take my own life, because the mental pain and anxiety I felt in living had become unbearable. I looked like I had it all, and yet I was miserable inside. I used to listen to Zig Ziglar motivational tapes and read self-help books just to pump me up and keep me going. 
My early morning runs pounded out my anxieties, nervous energy, and allowed me to function throughout the day. The busier I was, the better I felt, so I stayed very busy. I had developed a relationship with a priest at St. Augustine's in Des Moines named Father Santoro. On several occasions, he asked me why I did not have a girlfriend or date anyone. I simply told him I was way too busy for that and I was a self-confirmed bachelor. Little did I know that Father Santoro had been praying that a woman would one day come into my life. Father encouraged me to pray and to read the Bible. So I bought one of those, read the complete Bible in a year, and told myself that was a good way to become more holy. <laughs> Galt Sand continued expanding and recruited Karen Barber to join our company as a merchandiser. As I said earlier, Karen was my biggest customer and the lady that rebuked me on my relationship with my father. Karen and I had become close friends. We talked every day and even traveled together, but only as friends. I was a self-confirmed bachelor. Karen came to Cedar Rapids between Christmas and New Year's of 1988 to look for an apartment. I invited her to join me and stay with a friend in Door County to cross-country ski, enjoy the quiet beauty, and the new year. During this time, as I read my one-year Bible, God had been talking about man and woman, and how he created woman from man for the benefit of man and God's kingdom. I did not think much about this, as I knew I was a self-confirmed Bachelor. On New Year's Day, 1989, Karen and I left Door County on our way to Chicago's O'Hare Airport so Karen could fly back to Pittsburgh and prepare for her move to Cedar Rapids. As I was driving south of Green Bay on Highway 41, voices filled my head saying, Marry this woman. I did not want to hear this because I was a self-confirmed bachelor. <laughs> the voices did not quit. And then I remembered the one-year Bible. In the past three days' readings, God's message about how important a woman is to man. Still driving, I considered all of this. I even considered the huge commitment marriage is. I was fighting this, and yet I felt God telling me, Pete, marry this woman and trust me. I closed my eyes, and I remember just saying, okay. At 80 miles an hour, just north of Milwaukee, I looked at Karen and asked her, would you like to marry me? She said, are you proposing to me? And I said, yes, would you marry me? 
I had no ring, no plan to do this. And neither of our families or friends had any clue that we were in any relationship. Karen said yes. We postponed her flight for a day and we celebrated our engagement at the Drake Hotel in Chicago. Karen and I married on June 3rd, 1989 in Door County. We had a honeymoon baby named Travis and 13 months later our second son Sean was born. As joyful as all of this was, I continued to struggle with extreme nervous energy, fear, and anxiety. The morning runs, motivational tapes, and pumping myself up just wasn't working anymore, and thoughts of suicide were often. All I could think is that I was going crazy. I was 35, married to a beautiful wife, two awesome boys, a successful business, big house, Mercedes-Benz, fancy watches, all the things that are supposed to make you happy, or so I thought, and I could hardly function. On the outside, I had continued to disguise the tremendous exhaustion and pain that I felt and told no one, including Karen. I was embarrassed and ashamed. At 6 a.m. on a Monday morning, I was finishing my run. When halfway up the Cottage Grove Hill, I collapsed. My legs melted. I was trembling, and all I could think was nervous breakdown. I went into our home, got the encyclopedia, and read about nervous breakdown, and believed this is what I was having. I still did not say a word to Karen. I showered, went to St. Matt's, and prayed in tears for help. Dr. Steve Rundy always sat in front of us, and God told me, call him. I reached Dr. Rundy, and for the first time, told someone of my pain and suicidal thoughts. He quickly scheduled an appointment with a psychiatrist. I called Karen, told her all of this, and she took me to the appointment. After sharing everything with the psychiatrist, I asked, what is wrong with me? He said, Pete, you're suffering severe depression. I said, can we fix it? He said, absolutely. I sighed and I felt some relief. The, ten, the next two years were very difficult. We tried five different antidepressants. I visited my clinical psychologist up to four times a week and I was getting no better. I went to bed early and never wanted to get up. I was living but not alive. Then, on a Tuesday evening, I had a voice message at my home from Paul Phelan Sr. telling me to meet him at Cooper's Mill the next morning at 6 a.m. for breakfast. Paul 
was a respected acquaintance at St. Mance. He, like everyone, knew nothing about my severe depression. I really did not want to go at 6 a.m. However, there was an urgency in his voice, and I felt I should go. The breakfast turns out to be the Christian Businessmen's Monthly Outreach. As Joe Russo shared his personal testimony, I realized he was speaking directly to me. His story was my story, and God wanted me to hear it. I felt the presence of God, and God saying, Pete, come back to me. Then, Joe started talking about God. Forgiveness, love, mercy, and how Jesus Christ wanted to be in his life. But Joe was too busy. All of a sudden, the light came on in my heart. Joe was Jesus, speaking to me, encouraging me to come back to him. Joe had run the same race I was running until he realized a huge void in his heart, an emptiness that only God could fill. He, like I, was lost, consumed by the lure of the devil. I had to make a choice. Continue living the life of quiet desperation or to turn my life over to God, asking forgiveness, pardon, and mercy. The signs were obvious. In that day, I asked Jesus to forgive me. I thanked him for bringing Joe to deliver this message. I asked him to take this heavy yoke that had been killing me and he did. Joe introduced me to a Bible study, and I have been involved in deepening my relationship with Jesus ever since. I still take antidepressants every day. I still have anxiety and fears. However, I know Jesus loves me and will protect and provide all that I need if I remain in him. My life is so much better today than it ever was, and I completely believe it is because Jesus Christ is alive in me. I think you all know the beautiful prayer, Footsteps in the Sand. I now know God was with me, carrying me. As I row my boat and look at where I have been, I can see clearly that anger, greed, selfishness, ego, the lust of worldly things separated me from God the Father, Jesus Christ, His Son, and the Holy Spirit, whom God sent to live within each of us. What 
What is separating you? As I conclude, I would like to ask, where, where is Jesus in your life? Could he be in friends, cautioning you to slow down and smell the roses? Could he be Karen Barber, telling me I was phony? Could he be Father Santoro? Or another friend intervening through prayer? Could he be Dr. Rundy or a counselor trying to help you? Could he be Paul Phelan or your spouse, friend or co-worker, reaching out to lend a hand or invite you back to the Lord? Could he be Joe Russo, openly and humbly sharing his path, hoping you may not make the same mistakes? Could he be a voice saying, come back to me. I love you. I want to help you. Trust me. What I hope I have shared with you is the mercy that God has shown me. The kindness that has changed my life. God has a plan for each of you. Where you plant is between you and God. I pray that you will find your calling, your ministry, your service that is your special God-given gift. Let's now pray through Psalm. Shall be there, and the pure in heart shall see.